Good morning, everybody. Good morning. morning. It's good to see everybody here for the first Sunday of Advent. In case you can't tell by looking around, this season is different. It is a beautiful season for us to be able to come together and celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. We thank you for being here to be part of this time of celebration. If this is your first time here with us, you should find a a Connect card in the pew rack. If you'll fill that out and put it in the offering plate to let us know that you've been here, we would appreciate it. If you have prayer concerns or issues that are going on in your life that you need help with, write it on that same card, drop it in the offering plate, and we'll respond to that and however you want us to respond to it. But we are glad that you are here, and we hope that you will let us help you. If you're joining us via live stream, welcome. We're glad that you are with us as well. Go to the address that you see on the screen. Let us know that you have joined us. And if you have prayer concerns or issues going on, write us and let us know and we'll try to respond to those. But thank you for joining us. We are glad that you are here. Today is the day that our Lord has made is a gift for us. Let us join him in prayers. Mike comes to lead us. Well, would you pray with me? Oh God, it is with expectant hearts and with great anticipation that we enter into this season of Advent. We pray that you would prepare our hearts, that you would prepare our minds these next few weeks to receive Christ with open arms. We thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in him. And we pray that our worship of you this morning will be an expression of that hope. May your spirit rest upon us. Let Christ enter into this building and into our hearts today, even as he entered into the stable of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Reveal his glorious presence to us that we may be changed, that we may follow him forever. O come, O come, Emmanuel, into our hearts. And as we light the Advent candle this morning of hope. We pray that you would fill us, Lord, with your hope. And it's in the name of Jesus, the Lord of hope. Amen. Let's pray together. Precious God, we thank you so much for bringing us here together today. During this time of Advent where we're watching and waiting and hoping for you, Lord. And so right now, we ask that while we're here in this place, that you calm our minds and you calm our hearts and you let us focus on the words and the messages of this time that we need to hear from you, that we're ready to learn and we're ready to be open. And Lord, that you can speak to us and help us to know how to best be a light to others for you. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Our scripture today for the first Sunday of Advent is Mark 13, 32 through 37. But about the day or the hour, no one knows, not the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. For the kingdom of God is like a man going on a journey. He leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge, each with an assigned task. 
And then he tells the gatekeeper to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether it will be in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you asleep. What I am saying to you is this, keep watch and be prepared. I want to ask you a question this morning. I've probably asked this question before in times past, but it's one that I think is worthwhile for us to consider on the first Sunday of Advent. If you knew that Jesus was going to come to church this morning in the flesh, would that have made you feel better or worse when you were coming here? Would you have come to church this morning or not if you had known he was going to be here in the flesh? If you knew for a fact that Jesus was going to physically show up for church today, would you have been excited about that or would you have been worried about that? You're the only person that can answer that question for yourself, and it's worth us pondering it. But in my opinion, I think people inside the church would be a lot more nervous about Jesus showing up than the people outside the church, because those of us inside the church know what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. We know what our priorities are supposed to be. But unfortunately, most of us are a lot better at talking the kingdom of God than we are at being the kingdom of God. Rebecca skipped the Lord's Prayer last Sunday morning on purpose. She very intentionally did not include that. We pray that prayer just about every Sunday, but she skipped it because she wanted to try to make a point to the church. She was trying to see if anybody would notice at all that she had skipped it one way or the other. She was also trying to see who would stew about not saying the Lord's Prayer instead of focusing on what was really important in that service. It was a really good idea. It was a very creative idea. I'm glad that she did it, and I'm sorry to have to fire her for it. <laughs> By the way, and let me just say this. If you did not hear her sermon from last week, you need to go online and listen to that. She preached one of the best sermons I've ever heard on that last week. And there's not a church member anywhere in any church that doesn't need to hear what she had to say last week. So if you've not heard it, take the time and go and listen to it online because it is something important. And I think you will thoroughly enjoy hearing it. And she did a great job with it, which is why I'll never let her preach again. She was outstanding. She's I've said this before, she's the only good preacher I know who doesn't thoroughly enjoy doing it. She's really good at it, and she did a good job. Anyway, now that I've given you an editorial and what I think, and I know that you're shocked by that, let me get back to what I was trying to say. Anyway, when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, he said something in it that's also very important for us to remember. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The point that Jesus was making is the church is supposed to be bringing the kingdom of God to life on earth by the way that we live, by the things that we say, by the priorities we set, by the values that we hold, by, by the, the way that we teach people and the things that we teach them, by the way that we act when we're dealing with others, by the way that we minister to people no matter who they are. Our church is doing that in a lot of ways, probably better than many that I know, but if we were doing that as well as we could be doing it, we would be baptizing new Christians every single Sunday, and we'd be leading the charge when it comes to ministering to the least of these, my brothers and sisters. 
we'd be looking for people to try to feed and clothe, not just during the Advent season, but every season. We'd be looking for people to try to lift out of poverty. We'd be going to the jails with the message that we have that we know can transform lives, and we'd be preaching it. We'd be doing everything that we could to lift people up who can't lift themselves. And we do that as a church quite often, and we do it pretty well. But the fact of the matter is we're not doing all we could do, and we know it, and take my word for it, I'm not any better at that than most anybody else is. Several years ago, I went to a conference in <clears throat> Roanoke, and the guest speaker for that conference was the great Baptist minister and pretty renowned sociologist, Tony Campolo. Tony is a great storyteller, one of the best that I've ever heard. One of the stories that he told that night was from something that happened to him in the early 2000s. Tony lives in Philadelphia. He was a professor at Eastern University. One morning he was on his way to work. He decided he wanted a biscuit, so he went by McDonald's. As he was going to the door, this homeless man started coming out the door. The man's clothes were filthy, and he had a long scraggly beard, and he had food stuck in it. When he saw Tony, he looked at him and he smiled. He said, hey, fella, you want a sip of my coffee? Tony did not want a sip of the guy's coffee, but his Bible study for devotional that morning was from Matthew 25. Whatever you do for one of these, the least of my brothers and sisters, you have done it unto me. Tony said it was one of those moments when the Word of God got completely in the way of what he really wanted to do. And so Tony went over and he took a sip of the guy's coffee. He said, you're being awfully generous this morning, fella. Why are you giving your coffee away? And when he did, the man said, well, the coffee's really good today. And I think when God gives you something good, you ought to share it. Tony thought that was a setup, that the man was about to ask him for money. And so he said, you want something, don't you, fella? He said, yeah, I do. I want a hug. Tony said the first thing that went through his mind was, oh, Lord, why couldn't it have been money? <laughs> Tony went over and he gave this guy a hug. And when he did, the guy would not let go. It was like he was starved for affection. He just kept holding on to Tony. He held on to Tony for over a minute. When he finally did let him go, Tony said, here, brother, let me give you some money. He said, well, if you would, go down there to the corner. My buddy is down there, and he doesn't have any money. He hasn't had anything to eat or drink today. He needs the money worse than I do. Tony put a $20 bill in the guy's shirt pocket, and, and then he said, don't worry. I'll take care of your buddy, but this is for you, and I want you to take this with you. said the guy gave him another hug and then went on his way. That was a great story, and I thought it was an inspirational story. I thought it was a story that everybody needed to hear. It was an amazing opportunity for us to think about what we would do in that same situation. When that worship service was over, some of my friends and I were going to go out to dinner, but I was going to go by the mall because they had dress shirts on sale, and I wanted to pick some up, so I told them I would meet them at the restaurant, and I was going to drop by the mall I went down and was going to the mall. I stopped at a traffic light. There was a man standing there holding a sign. That sign said, out of money, need food, any amount will help. I looked in my wallet, was going to give him a few dollars. When I pulled out my wallet and opened it, the only thing I had in it was a $50 bill. And so I looked at it, and I put it back, and put it back in my pocket, and I went on to the mall. I didn't even think much more about it for a few minutes, but it occurred to me that as I was driving by, I saw this woman and a little girl standing over in the shadows, 
it didn't hit me until later that they were with him and they were waiting for him to come get them. I went on in and I started looking for my dress shirts and as I was looking for my dress shirts, it suddenly occurred to me that just one of those shirts that I was going to buy was almost $50 and I was going to buy at least two and maybe three and I didn't have to think at all about whether I could afford that or not. I knew that I could. I didn't have to wonder at all where my next dollar was coming from. But I had just driven by a homeless person holding a sign needing help, and I didn't give him any because I didn't have any bills that were small enough to give him. I went back to try to find them, but they were gone by the time I got there. So I went on the dinner, and I told all my friends what had happened, and they said, well, you shouldn't really feel guilty about that. They were probably not going to use that money for what they said they were going to use it for anyway. And I said, yeah. You're probably right about that, but I don't have to give an account for what they do. I have to give an account to God for what I do. And I drove by a homeless family right after I had just heard an amazingly moving story about a homeless person and a minister who did the right thing in that situation instead of a minister who did the wrong thing like me. I looked up and I said, if Jesus comes tonight, I don't know how I'm going to explain that to him. But I'm going to have to try. And I don't like it. I'm telling you, folks, I'm a lot better at talking the kingdom of God than I am at being the kingdom of God sometimes, which is why I think those of us inside the church would be a lot more nervous if Jesus shows up in physical form for worship today than those outside the church would be because we on the inside of the church know the truth. And the truth can set you free, but it can also convict your soul because that's what it's supposed to do. Those of us on the inside of the church need to prepare our hearts for the coming of the most unselfish and the most self-giving person who ever lived on this earth. And that's what our scripture is about today. This scripture that I read to you just a few minutes ago probably seems like a strange scripture for the first Sunday of Advent. It's this week's gospel lesson that's found in the common lectionary. I went to the lectionary just to see what the scriptures are that's assigned to it. If you didn't grow up in the liturgical tradition, you probably don't even know what the lectionary is, but it was put together hundreds and hundreds of years ago by, by priests who, who assigned an Old Testament lesson, a psalm, an epistle lesson, and a gospel lesson to every Sunday of the Christian year. And then it rotates in three cycles, and you can go to it, and you can find scriptures that's assigned for that week. I went to it, and I looked for the scriptures that were assigned for this week, and the gospel lesson that was assigned was from Mark 13, the passage that I read to you. And that's a great passage of scripture except for one thing. This passage doesn't say one word about the birth of Jesus. It doesn't say anything about Mary and Joseph. It doesn't say anything about the shepherds watching over their flocks by night. It doesn't say anything about evil King Herod. It doesn't say anything about the wise men. It doesn't tell us about a choir of angels that were singing at night. It doesn't say one thing about a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in the manger. This passage is not about the birth of the king. So why did the people who put the lectionary together make this the gospel lesson for the first Sunday of Advent? 
Well, I think they did it because this entire passage is about being prepared for the coming of Jesus. Being prepared for the coming of the King. The entire gospel story is a story about being prepared to live as the people of God. It's a story about being good stewards of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God was like a man going on a journey. He leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge, each with an assigned task. Then he tells the gatekeeper to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether it will be in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you asleep. What I am saying to you is this, keep watch and be prepared. The calling of Advent is a call for us to be prepared for the coming of Jesus. Be prepared to be good stewards of the kingdom of God. Be prepared to serve the Lord wherever you are and and whatever you are doing. The master in this story was leading on a journey, so he called each of his servants together, and he assigned a different task to each one of them. And that task was to do their part at keeping the work, the master's work, strong and healthy. When Jesus founded the church, he didn't just do it as a gift to us. He did it so we could become a gift to the world around us. He wanted the church to come together as a powerful force of ministry and change because Jesus knew there's strength in numbers, there's power in working together. When we come together as a force for good, when we are truly prepared for the coming of Jesus, that's when Christmas comes to life in all of us. That's when Christmas will come to life in our world. And it will come to life not just in this season when we decorate and celebrate. It will come to life every day that we live on the planet. That's when people become more than just faces in the crowd. They become the face of the Christ child who needs our care. And it's a lot easier to see the face of the Christ child if you're prepared to look for the face of the Christ child. Back in 1990, I attended another Baptist conference. That one was held in New Orleans, Louisiana. On the second night of that convention, after the meeting was over, I started walking back to my hotel, which was just a few blocks away, when all of a sudden I started hearing this woman. It sounded like a young woman who was crying, and she was just crying almost out of control about things. I looked across trying to spot her, and I finally saw her standing on the corner across the street, and it was very obvious from the way that she was dressed that she was a prostitute. For just a second, I I hesitated, but then I crossed the street, and I went over to her and asked her if she was all right. When I did, she straightened up, and she smiled, and she said, I'm fine. You looking for a date? (laughs) I said, no, I'm not looking for a date. I'm a pastor, and I want to know if you're okay. She said, well, I don't have time for this. I've got to make a living. Do you want a date or not? I said, no, I don't want a date, but it's also obvious that you're not all right. So I'm going to give you my card. I'm not from New Orleans. I'm from North Carolina, but I know people here in New Orleans that if you decide you want help with whatever's going on, you call the number on that card, and I promise you I will get you the help that you need 
to try to fix whatever is wrong. I asked the girl if I could pray for her, and she said no, and so she very quickly crossed the street, and when she did, I prayed for her anyway. But then I started walking back to my hotel. Just as I got to the hotel and started into the lobby, something occurred to me that I had not thought about before. What if somebody, something happens to this young woman tonight and the police find my card in this prostitute's pocket? How am I going to explain this to the police if they find my card in her pocket? For just a few minutes, my heart was just pounding and I could just feel it racing inside of me. But as I got to my room, I started having another thought and that thought was a far more important one than the first one. I thought, what if Jesus comes back tonight and he doesn't find my card in her pocket? How am I going to explain that to him? It's a lot easier to be a good steward of the kingdom of God if you're prepared to be a good steward of the kingdom of God. And I was prepared for that moment because I had heard a sermon by a minister I greatly admired just a few years before who told a story very similar to the one that I told. And by what he did in that situation, I knew what to do. I was both spiritually and experientially prepared for that event that came to me that night. It's a lot easier to be the kingdom of God if you're prepared to be the kingdom of God. And that's what Advent and this table that's up here is all about. Both of these are stories about how Jesus prepared a group of plain, ordinary, backward, sinful, mostly illiterate people to be the servants of the Master's kingdom, to carry the message into the world. Jesus didn't just need those people. He needs all people, and it doesn't matter who we are or where we're from. It doesn't matter what kind of mistakes we've made or the things that we've done. What matters is that we decide to follow him and that we walk with him. Advent and Lord's Supper are both about identifying with the human situation. God knows that we're not perfect people and he knows that we all have our faults. But God came to us in the form of a little baby because he wanted us to know that he trusts us completely even with his son. And on the night before his disciples' greatest failure, he offered them this meal that we are going to take this morning because he wanted them to know he had confidence that the power of the resurrection was going to restore them and call them out to be the people that he needed them to be. Before they ever failed, he wanted them to know, I believe in you, and I believe that you're going to do what I need you to do. This meal and this season, they prepare our hearts to be stewards of God's love to the world, provided that we will let God prepare us. This meal that we are about to eat is an opportunity. It's a moment for us to be able to stop and to com contemplate what needs to be prepared in my soul so that I can be more like Jesus. And it's a reminder that when we're at our worst and we're, we're about to fall apart and when we're turning our back on Jesus and we're doing things we know that he wouldn't want us to do, our Lord still believes in us. And if we will turn to him in faith, he will give us the strength to be his servant.
May it be so today. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask you to help us to come to you in faith today. Help us to believe in you powerfully when we come to take this meal. Help us to remember that none of us deserved what Jesus did for us on that cross. But with, by standing with him, we managed to find the same grace that he offered his disciples that night. And by believing in him and in his word, we get to join together to become the next generation of disciples, the ones that you are calling to go into the world to make a difference. When we take this meal today, help us to commit our lives to you, Lord Jesus. Help us to remember the price that you paid to give us an opportunity to be here and help us to be more like you every day. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. On the night that he was handed over for suffering and death, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, whenever you take this, do this in remembrance of me. The body of Christ is taken. After they had eaten, Jesus took a cup and he blessed it and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant given to you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. The new covenant. Let's drink together. Holy God, I thank you. Thank you for this moment in time. And I pray, O oh God, as we gather here together, that you would fill us with your presence, that you would help us to know the wonder of your grace, and that you would help us to become an offering to the world in which we live. For that is your call to us, O Lord. Help us to be prepared for whatever moment would come before us. Help us to know you and to celebrate you, for it is in your name we pray. Amen. Now may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, everyone. <laughs>